Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. Hey, this is Tommy from Ops Analytica. I'm going to throw some stats at you really quickly. These come from McKinsey, by the way. Uh, Data-driven organizations are not only 23 times more likely to acquire customers, they are also six times as likely to retain those customers and 19 times more likely to be profitable. The fact of the matter is, is that the restaurant industry has done an amazing job getting sales data out of POS systems, but where they have a gigantic black hole is understanding what's actually happening in their daily operations, the thing that actually generates sales that go into the POS system, by the way, um, they have no clue what's happening. The fact of the matter is, is that the that data-driven decisions about your operations are no longer a luxury. We can no longer back into how well our business is operating by looking at KPIs that have nothing to do with operations. And we need the ability to look at real-time operations data about every single location. Um, and we need to use that data to make better decisions, to identify problems we didn't even know we had, and to solve those problems quickly. And that's what Ops Analytica can help you do. Check us out at OpsAnalytica.com. Hello there, Order Up Show podcast listeners. It's Tommy. I was just in my head thinking about how am I going to change my introduction, but I don't have anything more original than that. So, hey, welcome uh, back to the show, guys. It's exciting to have you. We have another interview for today. So please allow me to welcome Mr. Scott Kirchner. How are you doing, Scott? Hey, Tommy, I'm good. Appreciate the, uh, the chance to talk with you. Oh, no, this is going to be great, man. This is a very hard-hitting journalistic program. And, uh, and uh, you know, it is just nonstop. It's hard-hitting. So, anyways, now, it's super easy. <laughs> it's super fun. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have a good time today, man. So, anyways, as I was telling you before the show started, we've got uh, – we do the same thing every episode. I ask everybody the same five questions. I'm going to start with the first one for you because it's my favorite one. Please explain to me what you do today and then take me through your first job in the industry to how you got there. Sure. Um, so today what I do is uh, I'm the opening general manager for the Element Hotel in downtown Asheville, North Carolina. Um, the Element is a, a pretty new brand um, that was originally a Starwood brand and then Marriott uh, took over Starwood, bought Starwood and absorbed Element. So it's uh we're the first element hotel in north carolina um and my job right now is to open this thing um, as general manager so my, my days are uh are, are interesting to say the least um not so much hotel operational right now as much as it is construction and um, planning ahead for our opening getting ready for the opening between hiring onboarding um and then everything else that we often take for granted in a hotel that's already there when the hotel's open. You know, we're, we're kind of going through all that right now. So um, that's my role currently. Um, how I got here, uh, you know, I, as a kid, I always loved hotels and uh, really enjoyed just like kind of the grandeur of them and uh, going, to, going to different types with my parents. And I was always just fascinated on how these things worked. And how they never closed. I, I just, you know, every other business I was aware of closed at some point. But once the hotel opens its doors, it's just nonstop open. So um, that kind of stuck with me. And um, after college, I 
I took a job, uh, or actually, I should say, when I was in college, uh, my senior year, I was offered a job that was not in hospitality, more of a, you know, office setting job, which is what I thought I wanted to do. And um, long story short, I ended up taking a job as a bellman uh, instead of taking this other job. Uh, I was a bellman at a, a Four Diamond Resort um, in the mountains of North Carolina and Lake Foxaway. And uh, I just loved it. And I was just thinking to myself, man, I could make $8 a year for the, or $8 an hour for the rest of my life and be perfectly happy. Um, I was just really <laughs> enjoying the, really enjoying the human interactions I was getting and meeting people from all over the, the country and the world and learning about why they, why they were there and kind of uh, exploring the magic of hospitality. Because I think the coolest thing about our industry is we get to surprise people and and make them wonder how we did something or how we knew something um, and how we were able to deliver something that they didn't even know they needed, but when they got it, they were thrilled. Um, and that, that really, that was really my start um, and kept me going. So um, after a few years of, of the, the Bellman position and, and uh, some progression there at that, at that smaller, smaller property, I took a front desk supervisor job um, at a, a bigger hotel, about 200 rooms in Asheville, and uh, really enjoyed that. A little bit later, was promoted to front office manager. Continued to enjoy that. Was promoted to the assistant general manager of that property, and then um, staying with the same company, moved to another uh, of the hotels uh, that they owned um, as general manager. My first general manager job was at a Marriott branded uh, property. And then took another GM job with that same company a couple of years later, opening a Hilton branded hotel uh, just down the street. So um, that's how I ended up here. This is this will be my second hotel opening, um, and uh, I'm very very excited. Um, it's been a fun journey. It went by quick, but here we are. Wow. So I gotta tell you, I, in high school, I was a bellman as well. And honestly, I was thinking about it while you were talking. It was probably one of the greatest jobs I've ever had. Like, yeah, it was me and my best friend from Kevin, my best friend Kevin from like high school, and then a couple of our other friends got in there. We kept getting like nepotism, kept getting people hired, you know. And it was at a golf <laughs> resort, and we were always screwing around. And you know, because Bellman don't really have to be at the desk, you know, and it wasn't a very high right. volume property, so we weren't like, you know. It wasn't like one of those biggest properties where there's 75 Bellmen and they're running nonstop. This is the kind of thing where they just get on the walkie-talkie and be like, where are you guys? Come out here. There's a, there's a customer, you know? Because <laughs> it wasn't like a high volume. And like we got a golf cart stuck in a river in the wintertime. We got like, we flipped a golf cart and this kid got hurt. Like, you know, it was nuts. Yeah. We were just screwing around laughing all the time. It was the best. Yeah, and I... It's I, I had a very similar experience, I think, in that role. And I, I still, to this day, you know, I tell people that the, the best job I've had in hospitality or otherwise was being a bellman. It was, you were always the hero. Like, you had to try really hard to sure. not be like, not be like the ally of the guest. Like, you know, whenever, yeah. you know, an unfortunate situation with a, you know, if the guest had a, a, a challenge with their reservation or a, a service challenge in the room it, it was never on the bellman you know and the bellman was the one that was like you could be like hey i, I hear what happened let, let me go see what i can do and then yeah. you know, you'd go and talk you go talk to the you know a front desk representative and say hey what can, you, can, can i just do something for these guests you know 
it's their anniversary, they had this challenge, like you make it happen. And yeah. it's it, it just, you, you're always the hero and you're never the, very seldom are you the one that's kind of yeah. getting the frustration from the guests like directed at you versus other positions like that we're familiar with, like the front desk or, uh-huh. or uh, like a reservation agent, you know, so, yeah, great job. Awesome job. Yeah. Nobody blames the bellman that the AC's busted or the room's dirty. You know, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. if you can fix that because I remember in the summertime, the ACs would freeze over because people would like crank them down to like 60, you know, and they would like ice up, you know, but I'd come up there with a wrench and start to smash and stuff and they would like, you know, whatever. So the best thing that we <laughs> did was we had like these front desk ladies and they were great. And me and my friend Kevin, like in the middle of July, we put on the Christmas music in the back. So the whole hotel was writing Christmas music and they were all singing to it and they didn't realize it was on. Oh, it was so much fun there. I love that job. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. The other thing that we have in common too is we've opened properties. So I've opened restaurants. Like I opened a couple PF Changs, and I mean that's three weeks of hell. What is it like to open a <laughs> hotel when it's just you know the hotel has a restaurant? Well, I don't know if Element has a full restaurant, but you know what I mean. Like it's ten x more details, right? Yeah, and, and square footage. I mean, it's just you know by the nature of a, a hotel, you've got multiple floors typically and the square footage is just floors. So yeah, when you're thinking about opening a hotel, you've got it, it's every single detail. Um, but it goes before that, like, you know, you've got to first figure out what type of hotel do you want to open? You have to do all the, just like at the restaurant, you know, you've got to do your feasibility studies and all of that, get approval from the brands and, and, and everything. But you know, you've got to set up, credit card systems, you've got to set up merchant accounts, you've got to set up all of your vendors for the first time, you've got to set up all your technology, whether it's the, the free-to-guest TV, the on-demand TV, the music system, the computer systems uh, that the, you know, you'll run your, your property management system on, the Wi-Fi, it just doesn't, it's just all these things, like I said earlier, that you kind of take for granted in an existing hotel have to be done for the first time and set up. and it's tough to navigate and then it's it's also a lot of juggling you know you have to stay up on various deadlines to make sure your lead times are going to hit right um you know you don't want to be too early with a lot of things but you certainly don't want to be late either so um that's the that i think that's the trickiest part the most exciting part about opening a hotel is just managing all of that and primarily that's all done before you get a team in place um like you know i've been opening this hotel as general manager um, without like with, without another official element team member for quite some time, we've only recently onboarded our assistant general manager and our housekeeping manager. Actually, was her first day today. So now we're we're working on getting the building set because construction sure. is about ninety percent. Yeah, the the building's about ninety percent complete. Um, we've got just about thirty days until we're scheduled to open. So. Right now, it's it's all the we're doing our punches. So we're going yeah. through all of the guest rooms and punching them out, and um, we got to do that in all of our public space, common areas, guest amenity areas. And yeah, this will be a this will take a, a minute to get all these punches done and, and remedies and fixed. But to your point, I think you said you know you had a couple hard weeks before opening. Very much that will be the same thing for us because once we get these rooms punched. That's when you start loading in all of the items in a guest room. You know your your irons, your ironing boards, your pads, your pens, your um, all your amenities, um, 
you're putting all that into the room for the first time. Um, and it's just, it's like two weeks of crazy. And then you have training on top of it and you're onboarding new people and it's, uh, it doesn't stop. Those two weeks will go by so quick, <laughs> but yeah. boy, will they be exhausting. They will be, they will be challenging. So doesn't the brand specify like which POS system and stuff you're supposed to use, or is that more the management company who determines that as long as it interfaces uh, within their res system or whatever? Well, yeah, with, with your, with your big brands like Hilton Marriott, et cetera, you're going to use a, a brand mandated uh, property management system. So, you know, sure. that, that's a system that, like you said, syncs with the reservation system and everything. So, so yes, Marriott, um, depending on the type of hotel you have or, or brand you have, I should say, you'll use one of three systems. Um, we use a system called Lightspeed since we're a Starwood Legacy uh, brand. We use a system called Light Lightspeed, and um, from there you can interface. Like the other systems, you can interface differently. Like you know, with your with your POS for like SMB, you can go with anything you'd like. But for the property management system, it is mandated by the brand. Cool. Sorry, I muted because I was looking up Lightspeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had I don't some tabs you, I, open, and I was like, "What? Oh, oh, I should. I might need to talk now, huh?" Uh, <laughs> you can tell it's a very professional yeah. show. There's a lot going on here. I, I, yeah, it, it is hard hitting. I can tell you that. Oh, I know. So, okay, <laughs> let me ask you this: So, you're managing all these punch lists. How are you doing that? Like, how are you keeping all that organized? I'm just curious. Yeah, good question. It's actually the second time I was asked that today. Um, as one of our electricians saw me uh, punching rooms and was asking me that he asked me literally the same question. And so, what what I'm doing, and it's it's probably no trade secret. Um, I'm literally just I, I'm walking around with my cell phone and just typing in items room by room. And then from gotcha. there, um, yeah, from there it's it, it's pretty simple. I'll just I'll just uh, you know share that back to my laptop and then. Keep it going in one one uh, one Word doc. Actually, I, I know we could probably go with Excel, uh, but Word Word works fine. You can cross items off as they're done and and everything. So yeah, it's managed that way, and it all flows from you know your 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 contractor will typically do their first punch, and then the hotel team will get in there and do their punch, get that back to the contractor. They will break it out to the different subcontractors and trades. And, um, you know, there's, there's sometimes it's a little back and forth on what, what is actually a, a, something that should be fixed versus something that shouldn't be fixed. Because, you know, our hotel eyes are, our hotel eyes are a little different than a, you know, a, a millwork person's eyes. We just, we, we, yeah. we can see things that are going to happen based upon the guest activity in the room. And we want those sure. things fixed. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, it, it'll be a, a bit of a process and, you know, we got to do the same thing outside and, and all the other spaces, the hotel too. Well, and then you'll move everything in and scuff up all the walls and doors and have to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? Um, yeah, it, but, you know, those are the things you, you can begin to think about now is like, how do we protect all of our spaces? What are the traffic flows going to be like in the hotel, both from a guest perspective and from a hotel perspective? So you think about your housekeeping carts, you think about your utility and maintenance carts, and then you think about the bell carts, and then guests carrying their own luggage and wheeling their own luggage around these tight corners. Where do you need yeah. to put a corner guard up? You know, where should you have in, in what we call the heart of house spaces, 
um, for the for just employees like laundry, where do you put FRP board or some other wall protector up? So hopefully um, we can maintain the integrity of the building and not have to do a lot of um, you know touch up. I mean, obviously there will be touch up and preventive maintenance, but yeah, you definitely start thinking about those things, especially when the building is so nice and clean and yeah. just you know fresh fresh paint right now. I mean, I'm looking at a room and I'm just like, I don't want anyone to come in here. I mean, we want the revenue and we want the occupancy, yeah. but I uh, I want them to see this hotel, but I don't want them to mess them up. The the best time of my entire month happens twice a month is when the cleaning ladies leave and my kids aren't home yet from school. It's like a three hour <laughs> period from like noon to like three thirty, three and a half, where mm-hmm. the house is pristine and nobody's yeah. junked it up with their stink socks and like you know, and I'm just like it's the <laughs> happiest moment. I get it twice a month. Where I can just yeah. bathe in my, I can bathe in the glory of my home, and then it's just ruined as soon as someone comes home. Yeah, oh. I understand that absolutely. So, and then, but I so I'm because I don't know as much about hotels, and I, you're the second. Well, you're like the third or fourth hotel guy I've interviewed, but no one who was actually opening a hotel at that moment. So, doesn't that like I would? So, I would expect if I was opening up an Elements Hotel, which I think we have one here. Like, I think there's one in Lone Tree, which is like 10 minutes from my house. And are, are you in my, Colorado? I'm sorry. Are yeah, you in Colorado? Yeah, yeah, okay. South, yeah, there's, South, a, there's a couple. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple in Denver. There's there's one downtown, and then there's one that opened up recently uh, out to the airport. Yeah. yeah, on the way out to DIA. Yeah, you pass it as you're mm-hmm. going into the big road to go out there. So don't they have like, I would suspect if I was like, didn't they just give you the architectural plans? Like, isn't that part of what you're buying? Like they just say, here's everything you need to open this hotel, including where to put all these guards and all this stuff. Or no, <laughs> they kind of just leave it up to you guys to figure it out. Slap your name. Um, no, right. No, there there is a there's pretty significant guidance there from the brand, um, from you know site selection and, and sure. architecture and beyond. But um, you know, a couple of factors I think that makes our build unique is. Um, one element is a very young brand. I mean, I do not think there are more than 80 in the whole pipeline and the whole system. So, so they're, they're still learning, you know, we're still learning how to build these hotels. Um, sure. And then two, um, our, our particular site is, is, uh, it's, it's non prototypical. It's, it's on a unique track of land. Um, it's, it's a different footprint than you typically see in element hotels. So, Yes, there are some standards that carry through to pretty much every element hotel, but then some buildings are just unique because they're not, they weren't able to create just a rectangular box that fits on that site, which is our case. We're, we're more of a, a pizza shape. We're, we're like a pie shaped building. So um, that created some additional challenges and we came across a lot of those as we were under construction and you just had to navigate those. And the brand has been phenomenal in terms of helping us with those and getting creative and brainstorming with us and also being flexible. Um, so I think when guests come stay at our element, if they've had the chance to stay at any other, they're going to have a sense of, wow, this is familiar, but it's different. Um, sure. And I, I really like that. I really like that about our hotel. Yeah, it's really cool. All right, I have another question about this. So, you know, you'll just be driving around your area and all of a sudden they're just, bunch of hotels are springing up 
So obviously, like, and I'm just always like, well, what the heck? Like, obviously, I think these guys that are developing these hotels, obviously, have been with the city and have figured out, hey, like, we had a couple hospitals going. We have a children's hospital, and then we have a CU, Colorado University Health Center. And so, obviously, they knew the, you know, the one just got built, like, during COVID, and then the other one was probably five years old, whatever, it doesn't matter. But all of a sudden, all these hotels went around the area, right? And even when they were before construction, these hotels started going up. So obviously they were planning and going, hey, we know that in the proximity of this type of population, like they have that demographics, right? They know growth patterns and tax base and what's coming in. And is that how you determine that where you're going to put a hotel? Uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a very large part of it. Um, our particular market, Asheville, North Carolina, um, in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains, is, is a very hot um, tourism destination and has been for quite some time. Um, sure. So the demand, the demand for our particular market uh, has been uh, exceeding the, the supply of hotel rooms uh, over, the, over the last you know, some odd years. And um, so, yeah, that was a, like, you know, when we look at, you know, a new hotel in this market, the ownership will definitely look at, that demand and that supply and see what trends they're seeing over the next, you know, during that time. And then over the next, uh, you know, so many years and Asheville is a market that uh, looks to maintain a pretty strong demand versus supply for, for the next little bit. I mean, we have a lot of hotels coming in the pipeline, including ourselves. And uh, it's definitely going to become more competitive, but I love that because we get to fight over, these guests that are coming in and they've got choices sure. and we just need to be the, the hotel of choice. Um, so it all makes us, you know, we all, we all play up to each other and makes sure a very competitive and strong hotel market. Yeah, that's cool. That, that's really interesting. Okay, good. So, okay, let's go to the next question. And I think I already know the answer to it. What's the big project or initiative that you're working on right now? <laughs> I think we've already answered that question, but if you want to kick something else in there, go for it. Well, uh, yeah, this is definitely uh, definitely my top priority, and um, I'm honored to be uh, part of it. But um, yeah, I, we we've got a portfolio of hotels here. Just all of our hotels are local to Asheville. Um, we have four others, and so over the last last uh, year and a half or so that I've been with with our company, um, I, I've had a little more flexibility to to work with our other hotels and. And just kind of help roll out system, new systems and processes out at, at these other hotels. So that's been a lot of fun. So, you know, up until, let's say a few months ago, that was one of my key priorities was, uh, you know, I was kind of like a task force project guy for our other hotels and helping sure. to streamline and uh, make consistent a lot of our processes. So that's what I would have said, aside from opening a hotel as a big initiative, but I'll tell you right now, all I... I, I wake up thinking about this hotel. I go to bed thinking about it, and uh, hmm. the dreams I have about it are are also very real. So yeah, this is it. You're right. That's oh, funny. Okay, so well, we might have hit this one too. What is the one thing in the industry or your business that is keeping you up at night? Yeah, um, yeah, that's a that's a good question, and um, I kind of struggled with that one, um, but. It's there. I guess there's a couple um, as like a whole industry. You know, I think about uh, the short-term rental um, market. You know, Airbnb and Verbo, uh, those yeah. guys. 
and, and how do we how do we separate ourselves uh, from them? How do we create value? Um, and, and the hotel brands are actually, in my opinion, I think they're doing a pretty good job of of trying to get some of that share back. Um, I think Mary, I know Marriott's got a program out there that they're they're utilizing to combat that. But um, yeah, I think that's just as an industry that that's really it is um, is how do, that that's our biggest competitor. Um, and so yeah, and and I don't, I, you know, I'm not putting a lot of thought bandwidth into that. Um, kind of, you know, we've got some great people that I work with that are thinking about that, and then the brands, as I mentioned, are are very much into that. But yeah, that I think as an industry, that's something that's a little concerning. Um, but I, hopefully, there's enough to go around. You know. Yeah. Well, and so okay, so first of all, I'm very pissed at Verbo right now. Just personally angry at Verbo. So, <laughs> and I will tell my story here in a second. So I did stand-up comedy for like 10 years uh, after college, but before grad school. And uh, so, you know, I, and I worked out here in the West. And so I did a lot of what we call one-nighters and comedy clubs, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And so I've stayed in the grossest motels you can ever imagine in your entire life. Like, and I've slept in them. And so like, uh, and I mean, like the kind of place where you would put a top, you, I'd bring my own top sheet to put over their bed so I could sleep on top of my top sheet in my sleeping bag with a pillow. <laughs> like I stayed in the oh, honeymoon wow. suite with like shag carpet and like Missoula, Montana, not Missoula, Great Falls, Montana, <laughs> with a hot tub in the room. And you're just like, oh my God, what's happened in this room, you know? So anyway, so now like I'm the, like I only stay at Marriott. Like I'm like, you know, Bonvoy, like I, and I don't travel that much, mostly family stuff, but uh, I will only stay in Marriott's period because at least I know they're clean. Like, and I've only had one mm-hmm. like subpar Marriott experience like in the last 20 years. So one or two nights where I was like, what the hell is going on here? It was an old courtyard in Maryland uh, for my mom's uh-huh. 80th birthday. But other than that, you know, I've stayed at Marriott's around the world. Wonderful. You know what I mean? So, uh, so I hate Verbo. I hate all those companies, but like everybody <laughs> likes them because they have kitchens. And so like the whole family likes them because you can have a kitchen and then you're not eating out every meal. Right. But right. here's what happens with these Verbos. Cause we do this all the time in the mountains here in Colorado. Cause everybody owns a condo and then they start renting it and then blah, blah, blah. Here's what happens. Hey, I, I really want a new TV for my house. So I'm gonna go take this garbage TV and put it up in my Verbo. And then, hey, I, I, it's time to put a bed up there. Let's get that lumpy mattress that's been in the garage and throw it up there. So you always <laughs> are like on the worst sheets, the worst beds, the worst amenities, you know, and you're in these people's houses. And it's just always like, I hate it because I always feel like they're not as clean as a hotel. Um, and that bothers me. So let me tell you my yeah. Verbo story, and I'm not taking over your podcast, I should, but I am very pissed <laughs> off, and there's nothing I can do about it. So now I'm going to put it on this podcast, and then you know it's going to reach thousands and millions of people. No, but millions. truthfully, yeah. it will get out there because I have no recourse. <laughs> so we booked a hotel, we booked an apartment in Paris for March uh, like 17th through the 21st of last year, and so and we were going. And then, and then we like the Sunday before we were supposed to go on our trip, France shut down. Um, and so we were like a block away from the Eiffel Tower. I mean, it looked amazing, right? And so we, yeah. we, and so it was, it was COVID, obviously. 
And so everyone, then we locked down that the Friday we were supposed to fly out the U.S. locked down. So we would have never gotten out of here. Anywho. So I was trying to be cool to the guy because I knew that he, you know, this was his apartment, you know, and whatnot. So I was like, okay, dude, just let's rebook it for October. Because at that time, I couldn't imagine COVID would go beyond six weeks. Like, I was like, there's no way. This is modern world. We're not going to be locked down in October. So I rebooked it for fall break. And uh, and then we had to push it again. But this guy went out of the Verbo system and got our money. So he was just emailing us. Oh, yeah, I'll take care uh, of it. Don't worry. But then you're like going, well, I'm going to be driving into Paris from like, because we're going out to Normandy too, right? We're going to be driving into Paris. I don't want to show up at this guy's apartment and find out like there's no place to stay. Now I'm paying $900 a night to stay in Paris. You know what I mean? Like unexpectedly. <laughs> and that's exactly yeah. what happened. Like he just eventually like stopped responding to us. And then I go to Verbo and they're like, well, you canceled within the cancellation policy. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. yes, I get it, but they released my funds. So when <laughs> I can't, so when I said, Hey, push my week, he canceled my week. So then I lost wow. all my money. But if I had done that with Marriott, as an example, and this is what you should play up these horror stories, but like they should play <laughs> this up. But like, literally, if I'd gone to Marriott, I have enough clout with Marriott. I have enough points. I have enough nights. You know what I mean? I have my credit card with you guys. Like I could call you guys up and be like, hey, dude, you knew this was going to happen. And yes, they wouldn't have been psyched about it, but they would have done something for me. Gave me some free nights somewhere else. Now I'm out like 2000 bucks on this like bounder who stole my money. And and I know that he was <laughs> desperate because he probably had to pay rent and they've been locked down basically for nine months. But you know what? That's not on my dime. I didn't make COVID. So you know, <laughs> it's been horrible. And I'm like, I'm so pissed off. And it's just like, he won't respond via email and Verbo's like, ah, sorry, you know, you canceled within the policy. And, you know, they're just right. taking such a, a lax thing. But I think that guy took advantage of us, you know, and then also because I didn't stay, I can't review him and there's no way to review Verbo. So I couldn't just right. mail him on Google or something and be like, this guy's a bounder who stole my money. I have to just like yeah. suck it up because there's no other than my <laughs> podcast, which now I'll make this the commercial for my podcast. Don't use Verbo bunch of turds perfect um but you know what i mean but seriously like that's a huge thing for me like that's literally happening right now because my trip is pushed to the end of july uh because of uh you know i couldn't rebook my tickets anymore so like iceland air is like you gotta go buddy so we're going um anyway, wow so screw wow I, I mean um, yeah well i, I don't want to uh, this is not me taking a stance here but i can tell you there's a i, I can hear the frustration in your voice and there's a lot to a lot to be like. I would love to actually just dissect this for a minute. I think we could talk about it for a while. But like, Verbo and Airbnb, uh, I think yeah. So I'm guilty as charged. I've I've stayed in both of those. My wife is yeah. our travel agent type, and she finds the most charming, great places. And fortunately, we've always had good experiences. But to that point, Verbo, these companies are, in my mind, they're not hospitality companies, which is which is a, a bit of a challenge when you're talking about the service part of it and the, and the sensitivity to how stressful travel can be. So these are technology companies. And yes, that's what, that's what's completely different than when you mentioned your ex positive experiences with, with a, with a brand like Marriott, you know, we're, we're connected to you. Our, our business model is to be connected to you, to stay connected to you and work really, really hard to maintain your, your loyalty and your business. So, yeah. um, 
I, I just it's a completely different model. And when I hear the when I hear the frust- the frustrating stories about uh, you know from my friends or whoever about like short term rentals, I kind of go, well, and I, and I apologize if this comes off as a sense of view, but I'm like, well, what do you expect? Like, yeah, you don't have yeah. the like if, if you go stay in a Marriott, whatever brand it is, or a Hilton or any other brand, you can at least I can at least tell you the baseline experience you're going to get and yeah. what you can expect. And I can say it with confidence. And then, depending on the particular property, you might even get uh, a much more heightened experience based upon the, the culture and the team that's in that building and, and what, they're, sure. what they're empowered and, and eager to do for you. And I know there are some posts out there with, you know, the short-term rentals that, you know, love to, love to play, you know, that little kind of, uh, you know, bed and breakfast vibe um, and do it really, really well. But, you know, what happens when that goes awry? You don't have a lot of recourse. They, it's just, yeah, it's not a, it's a tough situation is to travel. Yeah, it is. And I, I personally, so I get like, so if you were saying like, how are we going to fight these brands? I think that the, like the hotels, the, the biggest advantage I see of staying at a Verbo versus staying, and I, like I mentioned earlier, versus a hotel is the ability to not have to spend you know, you go to the JW and, you know, it's an $18 bagel. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous <laughs> sometimes. And so like, yeah. and you know, you're getting that. Like if you spend, like we were at the Ritz uh, in um, Hawaii one time and, you know, every cocktail was 18 bucks. I mean, it was Hawaii too. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're paying a Hawaii tax, right? But I mean, every drink, like you have four drinks, you and your spouse, and you know, just two cocktails over a two hour period. All of a sudden it's like 80 bucks. Like, wow, Jesus. You know, like that's a lot yeah. of money. But like, so the thing I would suggest or what I would say to the world, and you just pass this on to Mr. Marriott, whoever's running that thing now, but uh, <laughs> is basically, you know, if you had some options, and I know, like some grab and go, some affordable grab and go, or the ability to like, you know, you don't necessarily need like, I don't know, like some sort of like dorm style kitchen thing. And I know you get those in some of the, um, the other, like the suites hotels. But some ability mm-hmm. where you could just get some food and eat it and store it and not like an animal like on the floor next to your bed with like a, a spork, <laughs> but like be able to eat in your room a little bit more because truthfully, that's the only thing those verbos have on you guys is the ability to not have to go spend, you know, you got a family of four, 80 bucks at every meal or a hundred bucks at every meal because that just cranks your cost up. So I, and also you just like, you know, so when you go to Vegas, I used to go to these conferences in Vegas. By the time you left Vegas, like six days in, you wanted to die because every meal was like so, you know, not people aren't used to eating out every single meal. So just the ability to make some scrambled eggs or do something like that, I think would make you guys that much more competitive because of the amenities, knowing yeah. that your room's clean, knowing that if something's broken, you know, you just call the front desk, they just move you. You know what I mean? All that stuff is yeah. like so huge. Yeah. Well, I actually think you're you're doing a great job of describing the uh, the Element Hotel, which I appreciate because we're we're also well, yeah what we call an extended stay uh, brand. You know, we're meant for longer term uh, visits, and as a result, um, our rooms have kitchenettes. I mean, you can oh, nice. you can cook those you can cook those scrambled eggs that you were talking about in your room. You can you know run out to your to the local grocery store, grab some items, and, and whip up a, a great dinner. Um, so yeah, our hotel lends itself to that, and 
the, what I want to go back to also like the, um, you know, the kind of the, you know, the $18 bagels, you put it, um, yeah. I, 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 I really like the brands that are doing the complimentary breakfast. So you can think of yeah. like a, uh, an go. embassy suites or a Hampton Inn or a, or an element. Like we do a complimentary breakfast that is not meant to like completely, you, you know, we're not, it, it's a great breakfast. It, it, it's health oriented. It's fresh. Um, nice. it, it's a great breakfast, but it, it's meant to get you started for your day. Like we want you to go out and explore the area. We want you to go out in the case of Asheville. We want you to go out and explore the many great restaurants we have, the the world class breweries, the wineries. We want you to get out and enjoy that. And if we can get your day started with a, a healthy little breakfast, that's all we're trying to do. And in the grab and goes, we do that out of our our market. So I think that's a good model that you know is you know it, it helps with that with that S and B budget. You know that you're. Yeah. trying to hold on to as a traveler. Um, but yeah, we, I think we, we encourage you to, if you want to stay in your room, we got all the, the cooking equipment for you. you. You know, all the pots, the pans, the cutlery, glass, nice. kind of silver. But if, if we would also encourage you to get out and about, cause we, we love, you know, talking about and showing off our town and, and how great it is to experience. Well, yeah. You know, obviously, like we are a family of four and we have younger kids. And so I wouldn't need every meal in the hotel room. Like that, it's just one of those things where it's just nice to be able to like throw a pancake in a cup in the microwave and just, you know, get yeah. going, move out the door or, or grab, make a couple sandwiches because you're going for a hike or you're going to go be around town all day. And, uh, and by the way, I never do any of this. I just spend money like it's water and like, you know, go, holy hell, how did we spend so much money later? But, but other people right. are more organized than me and more disciplined would do that and that's cool okay awesome so oh we're moving on to question number four what is the one thing you thought your industry would be doing right now that it isn't um yeah another good question um so yeah i, I actually think that like I, i'm having a hard time thinking of anything there um like sure. i think as a hotel as an industry i think we're doing a really good job of Kind of staying along with the waves in terms of like tech, I'm going to talk about technology. Like yeah. I don't know if you've had the experience um, of like you know using like digital key for your hotel yeah. room or like you know the the check-in process just going all through your phone. Um, I think hotels are doing a really good job of that um, and staying uh, kind of in tandem with the demands of uh, technology. You know where we're doing almost everything from our cell phones, right? So. I think sure. we're doing a really good job with that. I think, I think maybe an opportunity for hotels, and this, it, it, this certainly could vary from property to property. Is like hotels are a machine. I think they're like restaurants where they, you come up with the the the, the manual on how to run a hotel, and you can mm -hmm. kind of you can systemize everything, right? It, it's like a sure. restaurant. You can systemize everything, and then just kind of punch it out from from hotel to hotel. And I think what's missing is kind of turning that on its ear and going, okay, do we really need to have the traditional, like you have traditional shifts in a hotel, like for example, a front yeah. desk shift, traditionally it's like a 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then you have a 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. and then you have yeah. your night audit, which is the 11 p.m. stuff. So just taking that as an example, why can't we turn that on its ear and do something different? Like, and why, did, why does that front desk agent need to be relegated to the front desk? Are there not sure. hybrid roles that we could have? And so I think it's something that I've been, you know, working with, with folks I 
um, like within our company, like this is a fun brainstorming activity that will sometimes come up and we just try to think about what could we do differently there, especially now in a new hotel. We, we've been challenging ourselves instead of just trying to staff it the way the book, so to speak, tells you to staff it, the textbook tells you, what can we do differently? So we are, we're, we're thinking really hard about creating roles that meet the people we are hiring versus sure. hiring people for the roles that we've created. Um, and that's, I'm really excited about that. So I, as an industry, I think that's where we're a little stagnant maybe, or we're complacent because it works sure. and it, it, it's relatively easy, but I'm interested in hearing from those that are challenging that system. And, and we're going to give it a shot here, uh, with our hotel opening, um, these kind of hybrid positions and different types of schedules and we'll, we'll just see. So, um, yeah, I think that might, that might be it. I think for me on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's encouraging well, operational change. Yeah, and I think like, so I, 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 we're going to talk about this for 10 minutes, no problems, because I got so much to talk about on this. But like, so yeah, have you read the Adaptation Advantage or listened to it yet on um, Audible or whatever? Uh, it's called the Adaptation Advantage. And it's and if you haven't listened to it yet for everybody, you should probably check it out because they do a really good job of kind of explaining what we're in now, which is the fourth industrial revolution, which is this automation, augmentation, atomization revolution, where technology is, is, is invading every aspect of every job and every aspect of our lives. And you know, the big fear is that there'll be no jobs in the future, which I don't think is true, but that their jobs are gonna change and that their whole premise of their book is that the people who can change with the technology and then find where they still add value will continue to keep their jobs. And the people that go, I don't like computers are going to be on the unemployment line because there's just not going to be any part of any experience. that's not going to be touched by some form of technology, right? Um, automation yeah. being that, you know, they take the job and they just replace it. So like the fact is, is that if you can check in with your phone and you have an electronic key and it works on both Apple and Android, you don't really need a front desk person there, a traditional front press person there, except for those few stragglers that don't have phones. But then you just put a tablet out there and you put a bunch of signage mm -hmm. and then, you know, you have a couple of employees that can walk around. Oh, you need help checking in. Let me help you. You know what I mean? You have to right. get your email. But I mean, at this point, like it's getting less and less mm -hmm. people don't have yeah, email and stuff like that. So that will over time go away. Or you can have a really smart AI driven. Like I just saw somewhere like there's an AI driven bartender who's like it's a woman like on a flat screen, like flipped out like vertically, and she's like being like cheeky with you. Hey, what do you want to drink, Buster? And you know, and then she's like pouring drinks underneath her. And like, you know, you just it's like 30 seconds of drink and you swipe your card and ah, oh, you you know, whatever. So there's a things like that yeah. will come into play, right? So like atomization, just for everyone who understands this, is just that outsourcing, which we already kind of do anyways, like outsourcing things that you used to do in house to the better, cheaper, faster thing. So a lot of people like, do you guys still have laundry or do you send it out? Uh, no, it's all in house. Okay. So you do laundry in house, but other hotels mm -hmm. might send their laundry to a laundry provider, right? And they bring it back and that would be atomization. Augmentation is just like looking at reports and then, mm -hmm using data coming in to kind of make decisions, right? So, because this is what I do. So our platform, which I think you and I offline, we'll talk about this more. We are a hospitality process management platform. So we are a, how you schedule out 
uh, it's, we call ourselves an ops management analytics platform, but we are how people run their business. And we, we are the way where you don't have to think about it because we're going to tell you, hey, at this time, do this, do that. And I mean, it can go all day, all year, whatever, right? So I always am thinking about how do you make things more efficient because that's the whole point of our platform is that we add efficiency and information and visibility uh, into the mix, right, and accountability. So like one of the things that I've been really pushing for in the restaurant space is like the traditional restaurant shift, right, was uh, there's a, two openers, let's say it's a big restaurant, two openers and two closers, and then they start opening the restaurant, making the tea, making the coffee, setting up stations. And then everybody starts to roll in like 1030 to 1130 when they open. And everyone's kind of pouring in, doing a little bit of their side work, right? And then, you know, and then at the end, everybody does their side work and they cash out and they're there for four hours. But that's the dumbest way ever to do this. And like now with gig workers, because you only really need all your waiters from like 1130 to 130. So you need them for two right. hours. So why wouldn't you have like two professionals that work Monday through Friday, nine to five? It's their day job. They're like a manager. They get a salary. They get tips. They get health insurance. They got a professional. And then they come in and do all the setup and all the teardown. But then you just throw 30, you think 10 more gig workers who literally show up, put on a uniform, wait tables for two hours, cash out and go away. And that's it. And then you don't have all these staffing nightmares and you could train 20 of those guys, you know, and then you just literally use an app like Uber or something and like, you know, use something like that scheduling app where you can go, hey, all you guys, I need these guys to come in today. You know what I mean? And you don't feel bad cutting them because they don't care. They're not there. That's not their job. They're just there to make an extra 40 bucks in that two hours before they go to the other gig that they're going to go do, which is DoorDash or Uber, right? So could you do something right. like that? Because the one thing that the hotel said, I'm actually really going to have to ask this question too in a second, but like, that's where I feel like, like what you were saying, like you're going to try to hire for the people, but you're going to morph the traditional roles. And you may find that you can cut labor significantly and increase retention because the people are really into their jobs, right? And they don't look at this as a job that they're just, I'll go across the street if this guy's mean to me. They're like, oh, this is like fulfilling to me. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, the, the, that was a we spend a lot of, no, that, that was great. Um, <laughs> that was very it was, it was, uh, insightful. Um, but, you know, we, we spend a lot of time as hoteliers trying to curate experiences to guests individual get, you know, we, we work really hard on. We should be doing the same thing with our team in terms of how sure. do we curate your, your, your job, your career experience to maximize your value, your potential, and the fulfillment that you're getting. And if, if we remain static, and again, keep dropping people into those um, traditional roles, it's a lot harder to do that. I mean, you might get lucky sometimes, but otherwise you gotta, I think you really have to, I don't know, it's just, it, you gotta really curate to your team. And um, I, I think, I also wanna say about your, you know, you mentioned like automation and that sort of thing. I've been wrestling with that one for a while. It's like, okay, so if we go to like, you know, hotels go to kiosks that automate the whole check-in experience, sure. that's a bad thing for the humans. The humans will go away. I, I'm arguing with myself that, well, can we not 
reallocate the bandwidth of those humans to intensify the experience that we're delivering to these guests. And that's sure. then, so then you wonder, well, okay, well, that's an increased cost, but should we be enhancing the value that the guests are getting and therefore, you know, driving rates? So it's, I think the more you can take tasks away from your team members, the better, as long as you're able to um, give them the freedom, the ability to roam about and make decisions and be autonomous. I think that's a huge win. If, if we can just focus on hospitality instead of service, um, yeah. all the better. Because I think you, I think you can automate service all day. Like your example with the bartender, you know, the, the yeah. hologram or digital bartender. Uh, that they're executing service there. There's no hospitality. You're not going to feel. You're not going to get goosebumps from this, from this uh, sure. TV screen. But um, but well, think about to, like. Well, just sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but think about no, like, no, you you're fine. Mexico no, or Hawaii, you know, and you walk in the front door of the resort and like in Hawaii specifically, you go to a nice resort and then, you know, there's, they're handing you a lay, right? And then they're handing mm -hmm. you a, 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 like a, a, a you know, a, a tropical cocktail, you know, and then you're like, oh, this is so wonderful. Like that's hospitality, right? So if you had right. kiosks, like you see this at the airport, like a DIA here in Denver, you know, they'll have people out in front because they have 50 kiosks, right? But then, you know, mm -hmm. you get through those kiosks in like five seconds. And also, if you get a really good kiosk, then it isn't a painful experience. You know what I mean? And also, mm -hmm. relatively, the kiosks aren't even really necessary, maybe one, because everyone's going to do it on their phone anyways. You really just need to have one for that guy who's still on a flip phone or doesn't want to use, uh, you know, doesn't want to use a credit card. You know what I mean? But for you right. know, 90% of them, could you take that front desk employee and instead of having them behind the front desk doing something that's already could have been done on the phone, could you have that person in the lobby welcoming people, guiding them to kiosks, handing them a cocktail? Oh man, it's raining outside. You know, let me get you a towel. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we got our fresh cookies. So, so here are a couple cookies for when you head up to your room. Do you need any help? That is a better use of that person than just having them go, here are your keys. When you know what I mean? Like, when yeah, all that could be, absolutely. also you could just have a key machine where you could, like the person should be able to walk up to a box and go, oh, here's my care, scan my confirmation code. And it should just key it and push the key out. You know, like you don't need a human being to do Like that's a perfect spot to automate something like a key machine. So anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's really interesting. I, I want to do a follow-up I don't know, six months or a year from now, we'll have to schedule it because I want to hear if you were able to pull this off and how it affected mm -hmm. turnover, labor cost, whatever. Uh, that, you know, I appreciate that because it holds me accountable. And uh, I'd love to do that because it's, uh, it is something we're very serious about and uh, we don't know what it's going to look like. We have our hopes, but, um, sure. you know, we'll, we'll certainly be checking in and, and, you know, gauging progress and successes, but, I would love to, yeah, especially, you know, even if it's a big failure, um, yeah, that would be fine to talk about too, because yeah, we know we're going to learn from it. So um, absolutely, yeah. Well, and you know, another place where I feel like you could really make a, a big splash because like, I think housekeeping, right now the general model is, you know, you're on a floor and you, you know, you go clean your 20 rooms or whatever for the day. It's got to be a very monotonous, boring job whereas i wonder if you put mm -hmm. two housekeepers together and said you got 40 rooms to clean today 
So you're still doing the same amount of rooms, but they could be talking and helping each other do the beds and, you know, tag team in the bathroom. Someone's in the bathroom area doing the tub and the toilet. The other person's doing the sink and the free, you know, if they wouldn't just enjoy it a little bit more um, because they would get to just be with somebody interacting. Yeah. Right. I, I've seen that work uh, in, in some hotels where, um, yeah, you have, you have, two individuals that work in tandem and yeah. yeah like you said they clean they clean double amount of the rooms in the same period of, you know same amount of hours basically and um but yeah they, they have a system i think if you have your system going back to the systemization yeah. thing where it's like you know they go into a particular room type they don't even need to say anything to each other they both yeah. they both go their own ways and they they tackle each part of the room and uh i've seen that be very successful with a couple duos and uh Sure. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to personality, though, for sure. You know, you gotta, absolutely. They have to drive. Yeah. Make it available. Hey, if you guys, because like I might hate toilets. Like toilets might just make me want to puke, but I don't mind, yeah. you know, scrubbing dishes. So it's like, yeah. if you don't mind toilets, but you hate dishes. Well, then we're a great team because you're going to do the toilets, I'm going to do the dishes, and we're going to both be happier. Yeah. And you're curating the, there you go. We're curating the experience to the team member. You know, we're, yep. we're, that, that's, yeah, that's, I think there's, you're onto something there. <laughs> I, I really do. I'm a genius, dude. Come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so here we are. We're on the fifth question, um, which is war story time. Just give us something funny or cringeworthy, like one of those crazy stories that you can't believe happened or how did we get through it? I want to know that thing. Yeah. I, and I, it's, this one I thought about the most, and uh, like I think the, the one that comes to mind is not is not cringy or or like a war story. I guess it, it is a how did we get through it type thing. Um, sure. Because um, so yeah, it was I was back at my my first big uh, big like bigger hotel hotel job, a two hundred room property, and um, I think I was a front 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 office manager. It was my first it was like my first salary job, so I was. Actually, you know what? Nope, I take that back. I was still a front desk supervisor. I was, I was still an hourly team member. But anyway, um, I was loving it. And so we, I come in on a Friday, Friday morning, uh, about 8.30. And all of a sudden, we start, like, we're all, we all start talking about this snowstorm that's coming in to our area. In Asheville, for those that don't know, we do get snow, but it's, it's seldom anything crazy. We might get you know, one significant snow event every couple of years, something like that. Sure. But um, when we do get it, it, it kind of does paralyze the, the area for a minute. Um, sure. But so, so anyway, come into work and we're all talking about the snowstorm and we're kind of like looking at each other. Why didn't we plan for this? Because normally you'd have your team members, um, you know, stay the night before so they can get to work that next day and, and all that and they're safe. But we really didn't plan it. We definitely blamed it on the, the you know, the, the meteorologist. And actually, if I remember correctly, it, it did come out of nowhere. Like it, nobody was ready for it. And long story short, it dumped, I don't remember, 16 inches of snow in a very short period of time <laughs> in, in Asheville. And it, so that was one challenge. So basically what we had was like, not all of our team members for that particular day were able to come into work. And sure. the snowstorm was the snowstorm was so crippling that like the interstate systems that are near that hotel, that the roads were impassable. So everybody was pulling off the exits, popping into our hotels. We were not already staff. We were not at that time staffed for sellout. So we were running kind of a uh, a limited uh, limited team. But then we also had team members that didn't come in, like I said. So 
Now we have not a lot of team in the building from laundry to housekeeping, the front desk, uh, night auditor, everything. And we're, we're realizing, oh my gosh, we're going to fill the hotel up. Like this is not stopping. And so what I haven't mentioned yet is that the power went out, I think around probably 2 p.m. that day. So we had a power outage that impacted the whole city, including our hotel. Um, that so in, in running a hotel without power is challenging. Um, I mean, you, 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 have, you have all your systems in place. So like, you know, do we have enough glow sticks? Do we have enough flashlights? And then also, you know, your elevator's not running now. This hotel is not on a generator or anything. So elevator's not running. Your phones aren't working. Your computer system's not working. How do you check guests in? How do you, you know, how do you securely take credit card information? How do you reconcile what rooms guests are in? How are you not double, you know, putting a guest in a room that's already occupied? Um, how are you making keys on your key system? Because that is, uh, you know, that's, that's a powered device that makes the keys. So now you have, you're checking guests in. You're going to line out the lobby. There's no power in the building. It's snowing like crazy. We don't have any team members. And, you know, at this point, it's like 8 p.m. And we're just still like guests are coming in and they're like, hey, we have a reservation. But we're just telling them, well, we actually don't have your room ready still because we don't have the team to clean them. We're, we're working on cleaning them. You know, our, our general manager at the time was, was up in rooms cleaning and um, <laughs> it was tricky. So the power stayed off all through the evening. Um, so we had a lobby that was cold like very cold because it was cold outside. We had a cold, dark lobby. Um, I was down there with my general manager. It was just he and I because we didn't have any other front desk team members there. We didn't have our night auditor, the overnight shift person, able to make it in. So we're just in the, sitting there in the lobby, he and I. It's dead quiet. No HVAC's running. No systems are running. Uh-huh. And we're just like, we're just hoping the power comes back on. And we can't sleep. Because we are the ones that are in charge of the hotel. Like we have to, sure. there's no one that like, it, we have team members, the few that were there sleeping in rooms, fortunately, to get ready for the next day. But we're there just, you know, holding down the fort. And so power comes on, I think, at about 8 a.m. the next morning. And so at, at that point, what you have to do, you have to really quick, you have to update all the computers with all of the information of all the guests that you registered from the night before, upload all that information into the system, and then you have to turn the night. You have to change the, the business day to that next day, which takes some time. It, it's not it's not instantaneous. So during that whole period of time, you still have guests that are up. They want breakfast. They want hot coffee. They you know they need all the things that they should yeah. need. And so you're piecing all that together still with the same limited team you have because the roads are still horrendous outside. Um, and so anyway, we have a whole another day of we don't have enough room attendance. We're full still because people are not able to travel out of Asheville and we're cleaning rooms and we're doing it all over. It felt like it was deja vu where the next evening we have guests coming to check in at 8 p.m. And, you know, we're doing the song and dance. I'm sorry, your room's not ready yet. We're working on it. And we were just still checking guests in and cleaning rooms until 11, 12 o'clock that night. And then, we, yeah, so... We still don't have front desk team that's able to come in and cover the desk or anything. So myself and our, my GM stay up again um, for the whole night. And, you know, at this point, we're going, I don't do the math, 48 hours just about without sleep on your feet. Just it was it was tough. So fortunately, everything mellowed out on Sunday. Um, I left the hotel. I got my GM out of there early. You know, I, was, I was like, you need to get out of your boss. Um, 
So I left Sunday, I think at 3 p.m., not having slept since, you know, like 7 a.m. that Friday is when I woke up last. And I just remember, I just remember driving home. I remember leaving the hotel, feeling so proud of the team for everything they did. And the guests were happy. I remember getting a lot of good TripAdvisor reviews from the experience. But I remember leaving the hotel and driving home and going, I should not be driving right now. I am like, I just remember it being so, I never had a harder time staying awake than I did, you know, just to get home. But, but yeah, so it was a great experience. (laughs) Um, It was challenging, um, but it's, you know, whenever I talk to team members and, you know, they're, they're maybe, they're they're dragging a little bit. They need a little pick me up. I, I would, I kind of go back to that story to let them know that, Hey, we could get a snowstorm. And we could have, we could be without power for about 24 hours. Are you okay with that? Um, and all of a sudden, it puts things in, in a little bit different of a perspective. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's it. Like, that's a war story because it was one of those things that you lived through. You had camaraderie with your team and your GM. You know what I mean? And you all suffered through it together, and you did what you had to do to get through it. Like, that's 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 what this industry is about, man. Like, that's. everybody's got those they got the one where no one can't you know they've all everyone's got one of those stories but it's what like bonds you with the 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 team and it makes like you know you have a great story you know there's so many people who don't work in our industry or industries like ours you know there's nine to five there's no ap war story you know what i mean uh (laughs) you know it just doesn't happen so uh right well scott Thank you so much for being on. Um, uh, we'll put the link to your hotel. I'm sure it's coming soon up on the Element website, but we'll put that in the show notes. Anything else you want to plug right now on the show, just in case? Um, you know, I don't think so. I I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to meet with you, chat with you, and um, yeah, no, we're excited to open this Element Hotel here in Nashville. Um, really excited about the team we're building. Uh, we're kind of in Bon Jovi mode right now. We're about halfway there to getting it fully staffed, and um, not 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 so much living on a prayer. We're going to make it happen, but um, yeah, just excited to get this thing open and and hopefully talk to you again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys for listening to the Order Up Show, and we'll have another episode for you soon.